Good morning, everybody. I greet you in Jesus' name. For those who haven't met me yet, my name is Grant. I'm one of the pastors here. And we're so happy to have you here with us this morning to share in this service with us. And I want to, at the start, just say a word of thanks. We don't always do this, and maybe we don't often do it. Maybe we don't do it often enough. Um, But to say a word of thanks to the worship team for leading us in this time of worship together. Most of us come to one of the services, um, and we're often not aware of those people, like our technical crew at the back, and sometimes even of our worship teams that are in one or two or sometimes even more services um, to worship God, but also to serve us by leading God in worship. And and I know that, uh, and, and I'm just overwhelmed and blessed. So for those who don't know, I'm a musician myself and a worship leader, and at our previous church, pretty much, I was like these guys on duty every single Sunday, leading worship, playing. So I appreciate the blessing of having people that are gifted to do that, and I hope we know how gifted our people are and how blessed. I know that Stu himself um, is a professional musician that, that performs Elsewhere on Friday, I had the opportunity to even watch Trevor uh, perform at the Baxter Theater with um, Salim Kaji and Don Vino Prince. Um, And I was again overwhelmed at the tremendous talent that we've got. Um, I love jazz music myself. And being at that show at the Baxter on Friday evening reminded me of a time in my life. And it was a while back. I'm talking like 15, 20 years ago. When I would go to the waterfront where they would have an annual jazzathon at the beginning of the year at the amphitheater, people would come in their droves. You'd, the only way you get a seat is if you come very early or you get some people to put their cooler boxes and stuff where you want to sit. And for me, it was usually to stay till the, and I'm going way back till the very last show on the, the Saturday evening, which in my time used to usually be Jimmy Dludlu and his band. Um, and I'd wait whole day for that moment. But I would find at times going to those concerts or going to a show like that would leave me with one of two responses. I would either feel highly inspired, like you want to go home and you want to start practicing piano because you just want to play like that. And I'd, I'd feel like actually somehow when I get home, I want to go and practice or because maybe I could just play like that. And that would, the other side of the coin would often also show itself. I would feel very overwhelmed or demotivated to realize that even if I practiced every day of every week of every year, the chances are I'm probably not going to be able to play like that. And so I'd have to grapple with this. I play squash as well, and I find the same things. When you watch people play at the top level, it, it inspires you at one time, but it can also demoralize or demotivate you. Because you're not sure if you can actually do it. And we are currently at the end of what I'm calling a mini-series. Because it's only been five messages long. And considering our previous series lasted six or seven months, um, it's a bit of a mini-series of deep clean. But this series has been very difficult, very hard. If you found this series hard, put up your hand. (laughs) It's been hard for us to preach as the pastoral team. But I know for a fact it's been hard for many of you to listen to these messages. I've sat here when of the others, other pastors have been preaching through the series and struggled with what God has been saying to us 
through the series. And I don't think we should be surprised because many of the things that we've been talking about are those things that Satan often uses to hold us back, to keep us from moving forward. And I do believe that God was wanting to use this series of deep clean to to clean and to cleanse out those areas of our hearts and lives and even our church where maybe there have been things stored there for a while. And change is hard. Remember there was a story in the Bible about this young man that came to Jesus. said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, obey the commandments. And that's what, and he, this guy was like, yeah, well, I've been doing that since I was a child already. And then Jesus got to the point of where this guy actually needed to embrace some change in his life. Because more than the stuff that he was already doing, Jesus said, sell everything you have and give the money to the poor. And that was a bridge too far for him. We don't know if he ever did it. We do know that he left Jesus' presence very sad and down. Because change is hard. And I noticed two interesting things about that guy's story. The first thing is that There was a lot of things that he was doing right and doing well. And that God is often not going to ask us to change in the things that we are strongest at. But it's in those areas of weakness. It's in those areas where we maybe haven't surrendered a part of our lives to him. The other thing I noticed is that Jesus didn't say to everyone, go and sell your things and give it to the poor. And very often it's not going to be the same for everyone. You might not have the same challenge from this series or even this sermon as I have. And today I want to encourage all of us to embrace the change. My question to us throughout this message is going to be, what's your next step? How will you and I respond to what God has said to us through this series? Our scripture reading today comes from Matthew chapter 13. From verse 3 to 9, you can follow in your Bibles or you can follow on the screen. It should come up on the screen. Matthew chapter 13 verse 3 says, Then he used stories as illustrations to tell them many things. This is speaking about Jesus. He said, listen, a farmer went to plant seed. Some seeds were planted along the road and birds came and devoured them. Other seeds were planted on rocky ground. Where there was little soil, the plants sprouted quickly because the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, they were scorched. They withered because their roots weren't deep enough. Other seeds were planted among thorn bushes, and the thorn bushes grew up and choked them. But other seeds were planted on good ground and produced grain. They produced 160 or 30 times as much as was planted. Let the person who has ears, listen. Lord, this morning we come before you even as we listen to your word being preached and spoken to us. But more importantly, as we listen to your Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts, I pray that as people who have ears, that we would listen. Listen not only with our physical ears, but listen, as it were, with the ears of our hearts, wanting to respond in obedience to what you are doing and what you are saying to us in this moment. In Jesus' name. Amen. I think the story 
The parable that I read is quite self-explanatory, but just in case, the farmer that goes out is God, and the seed that is sown is God's word. And so we can figure out the point of the story, but just in case we didn't, and Jesus' disciples actually ask him the question, why do you speak with these stories and parables? And Jesus goes on from verse 18 to explain this story to them. Matthew 13, verse 18. Listen to what the story about the farmer means. Someone hears the word about the kingdom, but doesn't understand it. The evil one comes at once and snatches away what was planted in him. This is what this, the seed planted along the road illustrates. The seed planted on rocky ground is the person who hears the word and accepts it at once with joy. Since he doesn't have any root, he lasts only a little while. When suffering or persecution comes along because of the word, he immediately falls from faith. The seed planted among thorn bushes is another person who hears the word. But the worries of life And the deceitful pleasures of riches choke the word so that it can't produce anything. But the seed planted on good ground is the person who hears and understands the word. This type produces crops. They produce 160 or 30 times what was planted. This is our challenge today because God's word has gone out through this series. And I'd like for you and me to think of ourselves and what God has been saying to us through this series. And I'm sure for every single one of the messages from the very start when Jolene spoke to us about our new life in Christ to when Roland challenged us about the forgiveness that we receive for those things that are often hidden away in the dark recesses of our hearts to the message that I I shared and challenged us to Not only receive that forgiveness, but to extend that forgiveness to others. To last week when Brad challenged us to have our minds renewed by the Spirit of God. And Brad, and I was away on leave last week, but I watched Brad's message on YouTube. And he actually, I was so encouraged to see that he started towards the end of his message to allude to some of what I was speaking about for the bulk of my message today, is that that belief, that change of mindset must translate into some kind of action. When I was at seminary and we get presented with all the subjects that we're going to be covering over the four years that we're there, I remember in my first year, they said we're doing this subject and it's within an area of theology called practical theology. And I was like, is there any other kind Because for me, any theology that you don't apply to your life in a practical sense is of no use anyway. And so today we're going to be doing some practical theology. We're going to be taking what God has been saying to us and saying, Lord, how do we do this? How do we apply this? And even if you haven't been part of the series, I want to encourage you that these sermons are put on YouTube on our church's channel, and you can find it under Connect Church. Um, Watch the series and allow God to do a deep clean of your heart. But even if you're just listening to this message as a once-off, ask God, what are you saying to me? And if you're sensing that God is saying nothing, the chances are you're probably not listening. (laughs) Because God desires to speak to his people. 
He desires to change and to transform our lives. Actually, I want us to notice a pattern in the story. The pattern is that the farmer is God. And the story starts with God because God is the originator. God makes the first move. We saw this with Abram. Remember, Abram responds to God. He leaves his land. He leaves his family. But why does he respond? Because God reaches out to him and God calls him. It always starts with God. Our salvation, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 12. Brad alluded to it when it came to the renewing of our minds. What does Romans 12 verse 1 say? Brothers and sisters, because of God's compassion toward us, I encourage you to offer your body as a living sacrifice. Why do we offer our bodies as a sacrifice? Because God made the first move. He initiates the relationship because of his great compassion towards us. Another version says, in view of God's mercy. So that's the pattern. God starts. And we respond. How do we respond? To offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. My challenge, my question to us today is, what's your next step? How will you respond to the overture that God has made to you and to me through this series? When Jolene started the series, week one, about five or six weeks ago, she referred to a scripture in John chapter 10, verse 10. In John 10 verse 10, Jesus says, A thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came, and that's Jesus speaking, I came so that my sheep will have life, and so that they will have everything they need. Another version says, have life to the full, have abundant life. But Jolene alluded to these life robbers that the enemy uses to steal from our life. And I want to remind you of what she shared with us in that first opening sermon to this series. The enemy often uses our lack of growth as to, to rob us of the fullness of the life that God has in store for us. The enemy often uses sin, habitual, unconfessed sin in our life. And Roland addressed that when he outlined how we can receive this amazing grace that we've been singing about this morning. Often the enemy uses unforgiveness. And we spoke a couple of weeks ago about how the fresh start process helps us with an actual process to work through those issues where we've been hurt where we've been traumatized or where we've experienced loss or offense. Last week, Brad challenged us as to having our minds renewed because often it's a wrong thinking. Often it's the lies that the enemy has told us that is holding us back from this full, abundant life. Or often it's just the troubles of this world or the trappings of wealth. So over the weeks, we've preached the sermons and I must be honest with you, we've stepped on a few toes. There's a part of me that wants to apologize, but there's the other part that realizes this is what God is wanting to do in my life, in your life, and in us as a church community. The seed has been sown. The farmer has come and sown his seed. The question, the challenge is, which way are we going to respond in? Oh, is your heart the path? Is your heart the rocky places or the thorny places? Or is your and my heart that soil that is ready to produce a crop? And let me help you. 
because our sermons aren't, at least this one is not the kind where you answering out loud. Because I've asked you a number of times today, what's your next step? I've asked you, how are you going to respond? I would like to help us with the answer. Let's respond by obeying. Let's respond with obedience. Let's respond by getting to work. So this morning's message is going to be very practical. And I'd like for you to, my wife, when I stepped down this morning, she was in the 8 o'clock service, and I came back to my seat, and she said, oh, that was a nice buffet. <laughs> because this message is kind of like, instead of it being like one dish that's been prepared for you and here, enjoy this. This is a buffet. But I'd like you to listen to what the Spirit of God is saying to you, that this is the thing that is your next step, because your next step is probably not the same next step of the person next to you. So I'd like to give five areas where we need to get to work. Firstly, get to work on yourself. Now I know that when I say this, this might be misunderstood, that I need to do the work. And I'd like to share an illustration at the end of my message, which helped me a lot, and I hope will help you to understand how getting to work on myself is not me doing the work, but actually it's me submitting to the Spirit's work in my life. Galatians 5 says it best. Paul says, let me explain further. Live your life as your spiritual nature directs you. Then you will never follow through on what the corrupt nature wants. What your corrupt nature wants is contrary to what your spiritual nature wants. And what your spiritual nature wants is contrary to what your corrupt nature wants. They are opposed to each other. As a result, I don't always do what I intend to do. Anybody can relate to that? <laughs> Anybody intended to start exercising when spring started? <laughs> Anybody intended at the 1st of October to change my diet because I'm eating too much of the wrong things? In the week, I was watching a video on YouTube. I think it was a clip from a TED Talk. Um, and if, if memory serves, it's by a lady by the name of Mel Robbins. And she talks about this thing called the five-second rule. Now, it's not that five-second rule where you drop something on the floor and you can still eat it if you pick it up within five seconds. But the five-second rule basically says that whatever idea you get to do, Let's say like that idea of exercising. Tomorrow's Monday. Monday's a nice time of the week to start exercising, don't you think? So sometimes you're sitting there and you're thinking, maybe that's my next step. My next step is to take a few steps out on the road. If you don't do something about it in five seconds, you know what happens? Your mind takes over. It hijacks that thought and thinks, you know what? My knee's been a bit sore. <laughs> so maybe I should wait for my knee to first get a little bit better. Or, you know, tomorrow's such a busy day, maybe I should start on Tuesday. And you know what happens on Tuesday? We're thinking, ah, I prefer starting on a Monday. And so then I'll wait for next Monday. The five-second rule says that when you have it in your heart to do something, do something about it now. Even if that's just messaging your running or jogging partner and saying, listen, let's go tomorrow at five o'clock. Make a plan, do something now. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself in the situation, like Paul says, as a result, I don't always do what I intend to do. Somebody say, hey, nah. <laughs> because very often, we don't do what we intend to do. How many times haven't we sat in a service like this, and God prompts something into my heart, 
The preacher might even ask us to stand or come to the front at the end. And the group Casting Crowns has a brilliant song, which is the title track of a CD from years ago called The Altar and the Door. Because there's something that changes between the time I'm standing here for prayer. By the time I get to that door, all of a sudden it's gone. Work on yourself. And by work on yourself, I'm not talking about self-help things that make me a better person. I'm talking about cooperating with what the Spirit of God is doing in my life so that it's the spiritual nature, like Paul says, that's leading me, that is guiding my thoughts, that is guiding my actions, as opposed to the corrupt nature, which is there. He actually tells us there's a war between the two. Work on yourself. But secondly, work in the Word. We can't do this without the Word of God. Everything that God is wanting us to do, we find in His Word. We need to read it. We need to memorize it. We need to meditate on the Word of God. We need to study it. But more important than all of that, we need to be doing what God's Word says. James 1 verse 22 says, Do what God's Word says. Don't merely listen to it or you will fool yourselves. And many times, we are fooling ourselves by listening to a message and saying to the pastor afterwards, that was a wonderful message. I'd rather you said nothing to me and took what God is saying to you and did that. Colossians 3.16 says, Let Christ's word, with all its wisdom and richness, live in you. Let that word be alive. Use psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to teach and instruct yourselves about God's kindness. Sing to God in your hearts. There's work to be done, and we need to get to work. We need to get to work on ourselves. We need to get to work in the Word. And I'm going to give you some tips in the application section of this message of how we can get into the Word and spend more time immersing ourselves in the Word of God. But we also need to get to work for the kingdom. And here I want to challenge us. Because oftentimes we're happy to sit and listen to a message and say, that was good. Do you know that ministry is not just for ministers, not just for pastors, not just for for, for missionaries, but ministry is for every single believer. Ephesians 2 verse 10, and Joy read that scripture today. Verse 10 of Ephesians 2 says, God has made us what we are. He has created us in Christ Jesus to live lives filled with good works that he has prepared for us to do. And I've grappled with this scripture because if there are good works that God has prepared, specific works that God has prepared for you, God has prepared for me. If I'm not doing those works, I'm living in disobedience. I'm not living in the center of God's will for my life. And these works have been prepared so for today God has work for you do you know what it is tomorrow when you go into your everyday life what is the work that God has in so because we need to be discerning what that is and doing it in obedience fourthly we need to get to work through prayer I spent some time with a mentor about two weeks ago and we were chatting about prayer and this mentor challenged me on prayer because I was talking about the ministry of prayer and they actually made a distinction between us praying for ministry or for ministries, the distinction of praying instead of ministry 
So basically, you know, sometimes we're doing ministry and sometimes we're praying. But my mentor challenged me to the fact that prayer should actually be the ministry. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17 says, never stop praying. So the ministry is prayer. Every single one of these points of this message, these five points, are connected through prayer. You know how I submit to the Holy Spirit? Through prayer. You know how the Word becomes alive in my life? Through prayer. Do you know how I engage in the service that God's got in store for me in His kingdom? It's through prayer. And so we need to get to work to pray. I want to invite you. The announcement was made this morning. The second Tuesday of every month, we come together as a church at 6 p.m. till 7 p.m. to pray. There are a number of other prayer meetings that happen through the weeks, but this is the one time we all come together to pray. I want to invite you to join us in prayer. But firstly, and I'm hastening through it so that we can get to the practical application of how we're going to, how we're going to respond. What are our next steps? But we need to get to work in community. Colossians 3 verse 12 to 15. As holy people whom God has chosen and loved. And you can't do these things in isolation. But listen to the instruction Paul gives the church. Be sympathetic, kind, humble, gentle, and patient. Put up with each other. Just look around you at these people. (laughs) These are the people that you and I need to put up with. But it's fine because the Bible says we need to put up with each other. And forgive each other if anyone has a complaint. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. This ties everything together perfectly. Also, let Christ's peace control you. God has called you into this peace by bringing you into one body and be thankful. From the very beginning, God's intention was for our faith journey to be lived not in isolation, not as islands, but in community. When he created male and female, he said it's not good for man to be alone. When he called a nation out of Abram, it was a nation that served God together. When he instituted the church, it was the people of God living together, yes, with the friction that comes with relationships, but that also chips away at those areas of our lives that God needs to chip away at. Don't forget the pattern, though. It all starts with God. All these things are our response. I read Ephesians 2, verse 10, verse 8 and 9 says, God saved you through faith as an act of kindness or grace. You had nothing to do with it. Being saved is a gift from God. It's not the result of anything you've done. So no one can brag about it. God has made us what we are. He has created us in Christ Jesus to live lives filled with good works that he has prepared for us to do. So this is the challenge. The pattern is there. God made the first move. God has been speaking to us through this series. What is your next step and how will you respond? I want to encourage us to respond by joining God God is already at work in you. I love that principle. You remember Experiencing God, the book by Henry Blackaby? One of the principles of Experiencing God is 
that God is at work all around us. Our job is not to start to find, to figure out what new work we need to start. Our job is to listen to the Spirit of God and hear where God is working and what He is doing and how we join Him in what He is doing. God is already at work in you. Philippians 1 verse 6, Paul says, I'm convinced that God who began this good work in you will carry it through to completion on the day of Christ. In the very next chapter, Philippians 2 verse 12, Paul says, My dear friends, you have always obeyed, not only when I was with you, but even more now that I am absent. In the same way, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We need to get to work. There's work to be done. We need to continue to work out our salvation. And then the next verse says, It is God who produces in you the desires and the actions that please Him. Desires and actions. Desires and actions. Today's message is an action message. But God is already also at work around you. John 5 verse 17, Jesus replied to them, My Father is working right now, and so am I. Is God speaking to you this morning? Or should I rather ask you, what is God saying to you this morning? What's your next step? And how will you respond? I want to quickly flip through. You know you'll recognize these slides that I'm going to show you because they're the slides that come up in our notices from time to time. They're the slides that come up in the foyer. You'll see them in our weekly bulletin. And I want to encourage you that when you see these notices, don't see them as notices. The notices are going to be done. We're going to pray and then we're going to the time of worship. Ask God, is this something that you are wanting me to engage in as a next step? Starting with Rooted, we currently have a Rooted course that's going on at the moment. And a Rooted course is basically an opportunity for you as a new believer to be grounded and rooted in your faith. To find out what the basics is of, or what the basics are of this step that you have taken to follow Jesus. And these courses run from time to time. When you see them, ask yourself, God, is this something that you are calling me to? Or maybe you've been serving God for a while, but you have questions about the basics of our faith. I would encourage you, when you see, and you're going to need to ignore some of these dates, because some of the slides are outdated, because these courses aren't all running at the moment. Um, But look out for them. The next one is Living Free. You would have heard Brad refer to this in his message last week. As you can see, the Living Free is designed to train and equip us to live supernatural lives. Being aware of the fact that while we live in a world that is physical and there's the stuff we see around us, there is a supernatural realm. And a lot of what we experience in the physical actually manifests from what's happening in the supernatural realm. And oftentimes we are unaware of it. This battle that Paul was talking about happens in that realm. If you get an opportunity, and like Brad mentioned last week, the spaces are usually limited because it's also very practical and it allows you to engage in some of those things in a practical way. And then when Roland was speaking about receiving forgiveness. One of the things that we as a pastoral team and elders are having to deal with a lot nowadays is the grip of pornography in mostly men's lives. We are counseling numerous people and referring many people um, to Clive 
and his team that are doing such an important and such a vital ministry. This thing of pornography has gripped the world. And Roland shared very personally from his experience when it came to receiving forgiveness. And this is something that even in preparation for this series of the deep cleaning of our hearts, we sensed that this is an area that the enemy has a hold on many lives, where he's stealing, he's killing and destroying lives, marriages, relationships, and even the church. And so the slide comes up in the notices, it's in the bulletin, and it's in the foyer. And I want to encourage you, if you are struggling in the area of pornography, reach out. If you know someone who is, refer to Clive, who's one of our members um, and actively involved. Or if you just want to support this ministry in a practical way, reach out. And then you would have heard in my message on forgiveness about the Fresh Start program. Currently, there's a, a course running at King of Kings. They're well underway, so you might need to wait until the next one. But if you've got hurts or losses or offenses that you've been carrying for years, oftentimes the enemy will use these things to hinder and to hamper your spiritual growth. Something that many of us don't know is a ministry called Right Now Media. Right Now Media is a streaming library of well over 10,000 Bible study videos. As you can see in that caption over there, it's essentially the Netflix of Christian Bible study. As a church, we've got access to all those, at, the, at this stage it's probably closer to 20,000 Bible study resources that is available to you. And so if you, as part of our church, would like to access, you can use it for personal devotions, you can use it for Bible study groups, you'd like to access that information, contact our church office and we can get you signed up for that. And then Brad's message last week, he shared this streetlights. Did anybody hear about this when Brad was talking about it? Did anybody go to the app? Um, so this is the New Living Translation of the Bible put to a hip-hop beat. I love it. It's like spoken word, but the spoken word, word for word. Um, I did ask at the 8 o'clock service who was interested in hip opera, hip hop, but there were more people that had had hip operations <laughs> than, um, than had, were quite interested in hip hop. But Brad shared how he was challenged. Instead of listening to the music that he normally listens to when he's commuting to and from work, of listening to scripture to a beat. Maybe that's your thing. Maybe that's not your thing. Maybe you something like something a little bit more old school. Our church's library is open after the services. And so very often it's possible, and I know many of you do it, maybe not as many as our librarian would like, but it's possible for you and me to go after the message and to find a book that helps us to build on what God is busy doing in our lives. I want to encourage you to use our church's library. We've got amazing resources there, so please do tap into it. And then maybe it's about connecting with life groups. Or maybe you've been visiting this church for a while and you're not a member yet. And you want to find out how you could plug in a little bit more. Get involved on a deeper level. 
um, at least once a quarter we have new member orientation. Maybe that for you is your next step. We've got disciple-making groups. Uh, we've got a weekly devotional that goes out. And these are just some of the things. Maybe your next step is not even on this list. Maybe you need to mentor someone or be mentored. We've got counselors, a list of counselors that we can refer you to if you're needing counseling. Our church has a prophetic ministry team that is happy to pray for you, pray into your life, and discern what God is saying to them for your life. And you can test that with what God's Spirit has been saying to you. A couple of weeks ago, I put out the call for those people to help preparing the communion and cleaning the stuff afterwards. I think you get the idea. This message is about what is your next step and how will you respond in terms of your growth, your development, your discipleship, but also in terms of what God requires of you and of me. I told you that I was going to share a story with you, and this story helped me to understand this work that the Spirit does in my life of sanctification, which is a big word which basically means being made more holy. Because I've used the word work quite a lot this morning. Because there's work to be done. And it's always a a tension for me as to how much of that work is mine and how much of that work is the Holy Spirit's in my life. Because sometimes I feel like this is the Holy Spirit's work, so I'm just going to wait for the Holy Spirit to do His work. Other times I'm on the opposite end of the pendulum where I'm so focused on doing the work that it becomes a self-righteous legalistic, works-based thing. And I once heard this story, and it helped me to understand how God requires me to partner with the Holy Spirit in my life. If I can see my life as a yacht, one of those sailboats that, that has a sail that only moves forward when the wind is in those sails. And if you can see that yacht as my life, and the wind is the power and the moving of the Holy Spirit. And so the boat of my life is only moving forward when the wind, the sails are filled. God is moving. The idea is that that wind can blow But if I haven't positioned the sails of my heart, the sails of my life, to catch the wind as it moves, that wind could move all around me and my life will go nowhere. I don't know if you've ever seen a yachtsman operate those sails. It's by no means a passive exercise. There's nothing that that yachtsman can do to move that ship, that boat forward. But he's got lots of work to do to position the sails in such a way that it catches the wind when it blows. These works are your and my responsibility. What am I doing? What are you doing? What's the next step that God is giving me to adjust the sails of my life? God's Spirit is moving through this church. But what am I doing to adjust the sails of my heart and my life to catch the wind of God's Spirit? What's your next step? How will you respond? I'm going to close with this verse. 
from Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. And you will notice most of my Bible references come from the God's Word translation of the Bible. And I've shared before that one of the main reasons I like this version, not that I don't like other versions, I think it brings Scripture to a level that I can understand. And this verse is a case in point. Because you know the word repent, and oftentimes we, we lose the meaning of this word repent, because in the original language, this word repent is so much more than us just saying, Lord, I'm sorry for the things that I've done wrong. Because that is confession and that's sorrow. But repentance is actually an action word. It means that if my life was going in this direction towards sin, repentance is a physical act of moving, turning my back on that stuff, and moving towards God in faith, through faith in Jesus Christ. So it's an action word. But the God, God's word translation translates the word repent as change the way you think and act. Matthew 4 verse 17. From then on, Jesus began to tell people, turn to God and change the way you think and act. Because the kingdom of heaven is near. I'm going to invite the worship team to come to the front, and we're going to be singing a closing song in just a minute. But I want to challenge you as I bring the sermon to a close. I'm going to close in prayer. I want to challenge you to do something practical. What's your next step? How will you respond? How will you obey? I'd like to include you in my closing prayer. If there's something that you know God wants you to do, whether it was on one of my slides or not, I'm going to invite you to stand as an act of commitment to say, Lord, in obedience, and try to stand within the first five seconds of me praying. (laughs) Lord, I commit myself to being obedient to what you are saying to me to do. Don't worry about the outcome. You just worry about the obedience. For some of you, that might be your response. For others, I want to encourage you, speak to someone, a mentor, a trusted spiritual leader, maybe your life group leader, myself, one of the elders, one of the pastors, and say, God has told me to do this, and why I'm encouraging you to do that is for accountability, so that they can say to you, did you do that thing that God said to you to do? So I'm going to invite you to stand if God has spoken to you through this message today. Lord, the fact that so many of us are standing is evidence to the fact that you are speaking, that you are working around us and in our lives, Father God. And we thank you for that because that work is initiated by you, Father God. And today we want to respond in view of your great mercy, in view of your compassion. We want to respond by offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. And and that's so hard because it's easier to be a dead sacrifice because a living sacrifice can, can crawl off the altar when things get hard. But we want to actively choose to obey you and to do the work that you've prepared in advance for us to do. So I want to thank you for your word to us today. And I pray that as we position the sails of our hearts and of our lives to what you are doing at this time, Father God, that your spirit 
would move, that your Holy Spirit would do his work in our lives and in our church, that your Spirit would do his work in this community in which we find ourselves, in the city where we find ourselves, in, in our country, and throughout the world, Father God, to the ends of the earth. And so, Lord, I pray that this commitment that we are making today, that we will follow through on it, and that you would honor this act of obedience, Lord. We are standing as a declaration that we can't do it in our own strength, but your words say that we will receive power when your Holy Spirit comes on us, and we will be your witnesses. And so we pray that we would let our light shine so that when others see our good works, they would glorify our Father in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated um, for a while. The team is going to lead us in a song. And after that, there's one more slide to my message, which is a benediction, which actually asks God to help us do all these things that he's got in store for us. Thank you, team. I'd like for you to receive the benediction of the Lord from Hebrews chapter 13 from verse 20 and 21. The God of peace brought the great shepherd of the sheep, our Lord Jesus, back to life through the blood of an eternal promise. May this God of peace prepare you to do every good thing he wants. May he work in us through Jesus Christ to do what is pleasing to him. Glory belongs to Jesus Christ forever. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen.